0: Kindness Can, the podcast, with radio personality Jane Lindley Thomas and psychologist Paul Bushel. Because every act of kindness, no matter how big or small, can change lives. In this series, Jane and Paul hope to enrich your life by giving you practical tools on how to be kinder in your relationships with yourself, with those around you, at home, work, and in your community.
1: Welcome to another episode of the Kindness Can Podcast live stream recording. It's so wonderful to have you all with us today. And we are joined by a special guest who the lovely Jane Lily Thomas is going to introduce.
0: Welcome to this episode of the Kindness Can Podcast. And it is with such joy in my heart to introduce you to someone that has become a friend. We met at a 40th birthday party, which is a story for another day. I'm just so inspired by Sam's story. Sam recently put onto social media, reflecting on a hijacking that she had gone through on uh, the 4th of September, 2015. And I think what really stood out for me is that in the time that I've spent with Sam, I've never got the feeling that she is a person that holds resentment or was bitter or twisted or angry or negative, actually the absolute opposite to that. Welcome, Sam. Thank you so much. Wonderful to be here. Sam, I know it's a hard one, but can you take us back to um, the 4th of September 2015 and tell us what happened? Absolutely. Well,
2: it was a Friday evening and I had been conducting a business meeting with a friend of mine. He worked normal working hours, so we had no choice but to do it in the evening. And it was around about half eight, and I had gone to drop him off at his residence. We had pulled into his driveway, and as he was getting out, I saw his eyes kind of glance past me um, towards my window. I was obviously driving, and I just turned to have a look to see what he was glancing at. And I was suddenly face to face with this man right at my window. My window was closed, but within an instant, he had the gun up and without saying a word, he pulled the trigger. It all happened very, very fast, but I was completely conscious throughout. I had collapsed down onto the steering wheel. He then opened my door and asked me to get out. Well, demanded I get out, of which I couldn't because I had already collapsed. Uh, An assailant of his had run round to the other side of the car and pulled my client out. They just had a bit of a scuffle, so he was unharmed. When I realised that I couldn't get out, the hijacker just pulled me by my arm, chucked me down on the ground, jumped in my car and off they drove. So it was sort of at that moment when I was laying on my back and I realized, wow, I've just been shot. They've taken my car. And I was like, this is it. uh, Face death or fight for your life. And I did.
0: You're looking at the window. You see the gun. Now the guy pulls the trigger. Where has he shot you?
2: So the bullet penetrates through the window, smashes through straight into my jaw traveled through my face and got stuck wedged between two vertebrae in my neck thank god it didn't go straight through because definitely wouldn't have survived that
0: so what's going through your mind i know that you say that you're conscious what 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 is the dialogue is there clarity what are you thinking
2: i had complete clarity it's it's really quite uncanny i lay there and it was at that point i i reached out and i said you know what god not today. Today is not going to be my day. I have two small children that need me and I am not prepared to leave this earth right now. So I just declared it and I claimed it. Um, I was very much awake and aware of what was happening. Uh, my client or friend had shouted out to his parents, baldi polisi, baldi polisi. And I lay there, he had turned me on to my side and, you know, stopped the bleeding up until the time that the ambulance arrived. But yeah, it was, it was quite unreal how with it I was. And even after meeting the paramedics, she had said she'd never seen someone fight for their life as much as I had that night. They rushed me through to hospital.
0: Where was the fight coming from? were you fighting for?
2: To be honest, I think it was my kids. I had been going through some tough couple of months beforehand. And my divorce had been finalized the Wednesday before I was hijacked. So in my mind, I was like, no, (laughs) there's no way after going through all of this that I'm going to give up. So it was really just the love for my kids and my family, of course, and just life, you know, but my kids were really my driving force. Absolutely.
1: Sam, thanks so much for for sharing with us. I know it must be such probably one of the hardest moments of your life, so traumatic, uh, and to talk about it today must take an incredible amount of, of courage. And many survivors of traumatic incidents like this, crime-related incidents, talk about that clarity in the moment, how life can sometimes just sort of be so still and you just see things so clearly. And I, I suppose neurologically, it's it's part of your brain's Strong, strong desire to keep you alive that it kind of just sees things so clearly in that moment. But it's often after that moment where the reality of what has just happened starts to set in and the emotions associated with trauma then start to rise to the surface. I imagine that was how it was for you in the days and weeks after that. There must have been so many different feelings.
2: Absolutely. I think it was only... When I was taken to Westville and um, I was still very much, you know, fight mode and um, I was transferred the next morning to Etiquini Hospital and it was quite unreal because as I pulled into the trauma units in the ambulance is when my body sort of just said, right, you're safe, you're in good hands now and now's the time to sort of hand myself over into good care. So I had a a number of days that I can't quite recall what happened. It was probably about five days. And I can just remember waking up in the ICU and that's when all of those feelings started to, you know, unfold. Feelings of anger, definitely. I thought, why me? That That was the biggest question. Why me? Why? After all I'm busy going through... Uh, how could this have happened to me and I had to quickly try and you know uh, attack that feeling um, a lot of blame so there was at first the negative feelings that definitely came over me yeah uh, it was it was quite a process to then say right I need to change my, my pattern of thoughts here and quickly.
0: Sam, what um, would you say was your lowest moment? Yeah, if you're looking lowest. back on it as a whole picture, where was that moment where, cause I think being angry is quite um, not an easy emotion, but you know, it's, it's a lot easier to be mad. It's a lot harder to be sad. So where is that? Where was that low moment where you knew that this is the crossroad of either I'm going to go down as a victim or I'm going to pick myself up and I'm going to move into survival mode. I'm a survivor here.
2: I think it was the Thursday after it happened was actually the day they'd taken me in to do my jaw reconstruction. And when I came out of theatre and started coming around then, that was when I was sort of most uh, becoming aware and conscious of what had taken place and sort of just waking up with your jaw wide shut and realising, you know, I have hardly any mobility in my hand. That was really my lowest point. And I was like, my goodness, this is it. You know, this is my current state. And if I don't change my way of thinking now, the way I feel about this, what are my chances that I'm going to get better, that I'm going to be able to provide and move around and still be a great mother or be a good daughter? You know, that was my lowest point. I had to dig deep to say this is not me. This is not going to be my final outcome. I'm going to. I'm going to get it, and I'm gonna. I'm gonna get better.
1: And I suppose digging deep doesn't necessarily mean not having some of those feelings over and again through the journey. It's not sort of like digging deep doesn't mean that suddenly I don't have those feelings anymore. Uh, and I, I see you nodding. I'm sure that those feelings. Cropped up over and over again, but it's I suppose it's it's about the choice of what you you do with those feelings that start to matter.
2: Yeah, those those feelings definitely keep arising. I mean, it's not a switch that could simply be switched on and say, "Yes, I'm going to get better today." It's you know we're we're on an upward trajectory from now on. It, It definitely wasn't like that, and I had I had very many lows in between, but. It's funny how life puts people sort of along in your path. Um, I had a great amount of support. I had uh, two of my best friends fly home from being in different places around the world. I had my godfather fly over from the UK for three months to be with me, to support me. And I needed a lot of reminding and a lot of you know kick up the rear end to say, hey, Sam, you got this. <laughs> you got this, girl. Don't worry. You got it.
0: I mean, looking at you, Sam, it's hard to believe that you have been shot, you in the past have been shot in the head. Um, but what kind of lasting emotional collateral do you still deal with? I mean, are you scared to go out at night? How has that experience left you? Uh,
2: sure. There's there's definitely you know, a part of me that is forever changed. I don't like to drive at night. I'd rather not. And I'd rather not be out anywhere I actually find just such great comforts you know we talk about the lessons but I find the greatest comfort is just to be at home with my family that's it that's my happy place if I could choose anywhere in the world to be that would be it at home with my family I know I'm safe and yeah that's that's really it
1: yeah I know a lot of survivors of, of violent crime we know in post-traumatic, the weeks following a very stressful and traumatic incidences, those sort of post-traumatic symptoms that are at first very much to be expected. So when I talk about it as a symptom, it's not that that's in some way pathologizing it. It's, it's very normal. Okay. Yeah. One of them, of course, is the association between certain certain events or moments or, or things that stood out in the event that kind of trigger the feelings all over again. So your your brain almost has a muscle memory. So it holds on to certain pieces in that journey. And then when you come close to it again in the weeks to follow, and, and sometimes even in the years to follow, your brain lights up in the same way as a way of trying to remind you that that is dangerous. And I think for a lot of people, violent crime going out again, going getting back in the car and and moving around again can be very, very difficult. But at the same time, and I'm sure this is part of your experience. It's not like I could never go in a car again, or I could never go out again. So what were some of the things that you did to sort of coach yourself through those moments?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Being a single mom, there's no way that I couldn't get back in the car and drive. So it was really just to say, look, look, what happened, happened. I can't hold myself back or live in a little shell, although I did for a little while. But I had to physically make that choice, right? Let's get in that car. Let's go. Let's keep the windows closed, though, with our smash and grab. <laughs> but, you know, it's I really had, had to say, I can't have these things holding me back in my life. And it's amazing that you talk about the neurological damage besides the fact that the bullets was um, resting between C2 and C3. So I have a lot of nerve damage in my body. So I am very easily startled by loud sounds where I often say to people, you know, it's not, it's not me having this reaction. It's my body. My body has this whole like knee jerk reaction. If someone bangs on a table or someone slams a door behind me, it's like a, it's a whole neurological and it, it's, you know, it, it baffled me even with my, my injury in my arm. I think one of the things I had to learn very quickly was patience because having the ability for your brain to communicate to your body and have movements and then suddenly have that taken away from you. It was so frustrating and I had to go through extensive rehab to get the use back in my arm. But the feeling of, you know, your brain is telling your arm, do this, and it's not doing it. It It was very frustrating. I had to learn patience, and I had to learn to let my body heal and trust that I would get there.
0: How did you converse with your children about what had happened? Because obviously you don't want to, you know, let your children think that day by day they need to, I mean, obviously we need to be mindful of our security and be vigilant, but how do you not feed into that so that you all become prisoners in your own life?
2: Yeah, that was a big one. Obviously, they were young when it happened. So my son was three and my daughter turned six while I was in hospital. So my mom made the decision to tell them that I was involved in a car accident. She didn't want to, you know, share such a traumatic experience. You know, mommy got shot. So when I came out, which was a month later, it was quite a process to get back into the house and for them to understand what I was going through. But I never wanted to put fear in them. So even today, you know, they know that, you know, we prefer to drive with the windows up because we feel safer. But I never want to put that fear in them to say what could be around the next corner. But this is the reality. This is the world we live in. And we do need to be cautious. Absolutely.
0: So looking back, what has been the standout lesson for you? Because we go through things to teach us stuff, right? So obviously the patience has been something that you've had to work on.
2: For me, Jane, and it sounds very cliche, but um, life is short. I think it's just the realization. I was, at that point, I was living life um, in the fast lane, you know, targets to meet this, this, you know, I was always like, the mind was always just on the go. Not that it's not anymore, but I had to I had to learn to slow down and just appreciate the small things in life. Spend a lot more quality time with the family. It's different, you know, just being with family and being in the same household, but actually investing in quality time with family and friends and showing your appreciation and voicing your appreciation for people. Telling people you love them, you know? If there's issues, talk about it now. We don't know if tomorrow is promised. So that really for me was, was one of the biggest lessons. Slow down, appreciate every single minute. Wake up in the morning. There's not a day I don't wake up and just say, thank God for today. Thank God for my health. You know, that for me has been the biggest, biggest learning.
1: And it seems like just such a an important lesson of 2020, actually, that we have no idea what is around the next corner and we, we really need to connect with the here and now and do that through, through gratitude and appreciation and, and small moments. I think that's really it's incredible what, what you're saying. I think as you're talking, I really get a sense of how much work it takes to find the place you've found. And I want to say well done for having the courage and the patience and the bravery to sit with yourself through that process, because it's not easy. Uh, you know, Jane and I often talk about the fact that kindness and, and emotional intelligence and emotional growth is a journey of, of patience. Uh, you've got to kind of make mistakes and try again and, and kind of be knocked down and try again. And I, and I just hear that so loudly and wonderfully in your story today. Another thing that stood out for me was that separation of mind, body, and self, I suppose. That sometimes when my body has a reaction, that's not entirely a a reflection of me in this moment. And I've got to learn how to catch that and then allow myself or my mind to step in and be like, yeah, girl, you've got this. Thank you, body, for having that reaction because you're trying to keep me safe in this moment. But using my mind and myself to kind of regulate that moment to say, I've got the windows up, I've got the smash and grab, I'm trying to be as vigilant as I can, I'm driving in a relatively safe area, I've got this, I'm not in danger in in this moment. And I think it sounds to me like that separation has been really important for you. It has, yes, definitely.
0: Yeah, Sam, I just want to say from one mom to another, I mean, I know that we built in with some sort of uh, guilt trigger um, where we, we would like to take ourselves down the road of we could have done that better and we could have done that and why did we do that? But it really is so clear to me that your children are so lucky to have a mom who shows that when the going gets tough, the tough get going. And you are a true testament that when things get heavy, you dig deep. And I'm proud to call you my friend and I'm sure they're really, really proud to call you their mom.
1: I see yeah, lots no, of people I'm nodding their heads right now. We're all with you. We, we, we salute you, Sam.
2: Thank you. uh, It has been a journey and I don't, you know, there are people going through their own traumatic experience. I went through a phase where friends, um, you know, they they didn't feel that they could approach me with their problems. They thought, oh, you know, what you've gone through is so humongous. Like how can we even bring our little petty issues? And I said, no. What I have gone through maybe on an extreme level, but any traumatic experience that one is going through, if that's the worst for you, then that's the worst for you. You know, we can't compare on the scale. I think that's a big lesson as well, that it doesn't matter what you're going through. You have to try and find a way to get through it. Don't be so hard on yourself. Be honest with yourself. There was a point, it was a couple months after the hijacking, that I had to sit back and say i 'm not on the right path i'm not I'm not living in the space where i'm feeling very positive, so I took myself back to counseling. You know I had been for counseling, but at that point, a couple of months later, I said, "Wait, hang on I'm not on the right path I'm not where I should be. I need professional help and I took myself back just for some more guidance to say, Wait, come on Sam let's go right back on the path so And I don't want to sit here and say it's been an easy road and dig deep and you can do it. Ask for help. Reach out to family and friends. Speak about what you're going through because it's when you keep it bottled up, you know, you feel you're brave and you don't want anyone to know what's really going on. that's where you start sort of going down. And that's not a good place to be in.
1: Yeah, I think you're giving some really good advice there. And just to sort of add in that if anyone's listening who has been through a traumatic incident, whether that's recent or past, seeking counseling is really a good idea, especially in those first few weeks after the traumatic incident. We know that the more we talk about the experience in detail, okay, so trauma counselors will often want the people they're working with to explain what happened to them in detail, not as a way of re-traumatizing, okay, but in a a safe environment, talking about it again and in detail allows your brain to start to find the words for it, uh, to settle on a description of what did happen and what didn't happen. And that, in a sense, normalizes, okay, in inverted commas, the experience for you and allows you to put it on the shelf in a way that kind of makes more sense. And you don't then have the associated yeah, your body doesn't kind of feel unresolved around it and and is therefore less triggered by all those environmental factors. So if you are listening, I think Sam's giving some really great advice here in the sense that seek help as soon as you can. Talk about the incident with people who you trust in safe environments as much as you can. And even later on in the journey, revisit that counseling process. It's incredibly useful.
0: Yeah, what also stands out, I mean, we've spoken about, um, you know, being positive and strong and grateful and resilient. But I suppose a big part of going through a trauma is forgiveness. I mean, not holding the resentment for the man that pulled the trigger.
2: I held on to that for quite a while. You know, I had great expectations that they would be caught I held the police accountable. I kept checking in, you know, how far have we got? Have we found any, you know, got any closer to any leads? And I found the more I hung on to that, it weighed me down. And I had to eventually make a decision to say, you know what? It's in their hands. I've done as much as I can. Whether they get caught, whether they don't, I need to let it go. I won't continue to let them affect my life. So I did have to forgive. And not only them, I I had a, a bit of blame on other people, why I was where I was at the time. So there was a lot of forgiveness that I had to process and say, let it go. It's not them. This is me now. And I have the choice to move forward without that resentment, because it's not going to get any. It's not going to get me anywhere.
0: There's a message that's come through here that says, uh, "Sam, you are such a brave and wonderful woman. Your light shines bright." And that comes from Heather.
1: Thank
0: uh, you. This one from Monica says, "Sam, Thank you, you are such a role model." Thank you for sharing. Yeah, we're so grateful. Thank you, Monica. And we just, yeah, I'm in awe of you. Um, I've never had the feeling from you of anything other than positive. You know, you could have turned this into an experience that would mar your future. You know, when you let your history determine your future. And um, I only ever hear you saying positive things. I only see you posting, you know, beautiful posts and the lights out of life. And I just think that that takes such courage. Thank you. Yeah. Thank, you yeah, very much, thank
1: you for sharing with all of us today, Sam. I think you're a wonderful example of someone who's taking their story and sharing it as a way of encouraging and inspiring others. So, but that takes courage. So, so thank you. And thank you, everyone, who's joined us today. I'm sure that you will all, all agree that yeah, when we stand together as a community in support and care for for one another, we can achieve so many beautiful things in this world. So. Go well, everyone. And we look forward to connecting with you all soon.
0: Thank you, guys. much love to everybody. Shine on, shine on. Enjoy the rest of your day. And we'll chat so soon. You've been listening to Kindness Can, the podcast. Find out more at kindnesscan.co.za.